today we're going to continue this series we've been on, which is on the book of Colossians. How many people have enjoyed that series so far? Yes. Right? So, and, and, and today I'm going to share a message that um, as I was writing it, or as I was kind of studying it, it really challenged me, right? Because it's not one of those feel-good messages. It's not one of those messages that you kind of, when, when I'm going to speak it today, that it makes me feel like, man, people are going to leave and they're going to be so happy, right? It's going <laughs> to be one of those messages where you're going to leave and you're going to be like, wow, okay, I don't know that I want that, right? But how many people know that sometimes we've made Christianity a feel-good religion and, and we've made everything what we call on easy street that when you actually face something that is difficult, it makes you think if you're doing it correctly. And the truth is, if you look at God's word, in particular, the New Testament, there was a lot of hardship. There was a lot of tribulations, a lot of difficulty, just a lot of, of things that would probably question whether you really wanted to follow Christ, right? So Christianity is not really a feel-good religion as much as it is a religion of take up your cross and follow Christ, right? And there is a price to pay. And, and, and you know, I think a lot of times churches have done people a disservice by just saying if you come to Christ you won't have to worry about anything and that's not true right how many people know that's not true because if you believe that you're going to be in for a lot of disappointment because that's not Christianity that is not the life God has called us to God has called us to a life of sacrifice a life of surrender and a life of trusting him in all things yeah so just kind of just studying the book of Colossians Colossians is an a, a epistle as we've all already kind of have been mentioned uh, a letter that Paul wrote from prison so that right there should already give us a clue of just kind of what he was dealing with right so he is dealing with being in prison he's writing to a church that he really never visited or even uh, had any part in starting he just kind of met someone and someone else started it but ultimately he writes this letter to them and, and as he writes this letter, as we'll kind of go through chapter 1, verse 24 to 29, we're just going to go through these verses, right? He's, he's talking about maturity today, okay? So today we're going to learn about maturity and what it is to, to be a mature Christian, right? And, and when you hear the word maturity, a lot of times it, it kind of gives you an idea of having to grow up, of, of having to, to be who God wants us to be. Right. So kind of the, the thought that I was thinking about as I was writing this this message is if you have um, if you're a parent or if you're a guardian of a child and, and if you have a, a, a kind of, you know, someone that you're bringing up and you're seeing that they're not maturing, if they're not growing up in terms of whether it be physically, whether it be socially, whether it be emotionally, whether it be intellectually, how many people know that would be uh, a concern? Right. You would be like, OK, something's not right here. Right. And it's the same way with, with today's message. Right. We are bringing you a, a message that kind of should to help you kind of understand that we are all called to grow. Right. Because if if all you do is get saved and that's all you do, that's a tra tragic uh, Christian life. Right. Because God has called us to more than you just getting saved. He called us to grow in him so the ultimate goal is not just to make it to heaven one of the goals is also to grow in christ 
right? So let's read what Colossians says here. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24 and 25. It says, now I rejoice. This is Paul speaking. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. And I am filled up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, which is, is the church. I have become the servant by the commission God had gave to me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Right? So if we just read the beginning here in verse 24 where Paul is saying, I rejoice in my suffering. How many people know you kind of say, are you in your right mindset? Because I don't know that anybody rejoices in suffering. Right? In fact, it's one of those things where I could even just speak from my own personal experience. I don't want to suffer. Right? I don't want to have to go through difficulty. If anything, I'm like, God, is there a different way we could go around this so I don't have to be discomforted, so I don't have to go through that difficulty, through that, that hardship? How many people understand that? Right? So it's not something that, um, it's not something that we enjoy to talk about. It's not something that, that we're kind of, like Paul is saying, that he's rejoicing. If anything, most Christians would probably say, I want to avoid it altogether. Right? I, I don't want to go down that road if I don't have to. But as we, read, as we continue to read this, and we will here in a minute, uh, it is part of the Christian life. Right? Having to suffer, having to go through obstacles, having to, to, to kind of face hardships is part of the Christian life. And, and whether we like it or not, it's something we're going to have to do. In fact, this is what Peter wrote. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. He wrote... Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourself also with this same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. And then if we jump to verse 12 through 16 of the same chapter, he's, this is Peter now speaking. He says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange was happening to you. Let me just stop right there, okay? So Peter is saying, listen, if anything, arm yourself for this kind of lifestyle, right? Be ready to kind of have this kind of life, right? And then he says here in verse 12, uh, don't think it weird, don't think it strange, don't think it unusual when you go through this, right? In fact, he's saying it should be part of what you should expect, that when you serve Christ, you're going to go through seasons, you're going to go through times where it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. You're going to go through some pressures that, that you may not enjoy, right? And like I said, I'm not expecting a lot of amens here today, but how many people know this is the word of God, right? And then it's here, it says here in verse 13, but rejoice in as much, there again, rejoice, in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Then it says there in verse 14, through 16 if you are insulted because of the name of of christ you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of god rest on you if you suffer it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler however if you suffer as a christian do not be ashamed but praise god that you bear the name right so this is what peter is saying is if you go through some sort of difficult season if you're suffering if you're being persecuted right it's nothing to be ashamed about but sometimes i think as christians we've made it this thing where if you're going through a tough season it's something you don't want to share with anyone because there's this shame of am i living my christian life correctly 
How many of you have ever heard that before? I know I have where sometimes I, I thought, man, if I'm struggling with this, am I praying enough? Am I, you know, maybe am I living the life that God has called me to live, right? And, and Peter is saying, yeah, it's normal. If you're going through that, it's nothing to be ashamed about, right? It's something that is part of life. It's part of the Christian experience where you go through life, you're going to go through hardship, you're going to go through difficulty. And if anything, if, you, if we go back to what Paul was saying, Paul was saying that the reason he rejoiced and Peter can probably attest to this too. The reason they were able to uh, 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 rejoice in their suffering or their difficulty was that people were getting saved and lives were being impacted. He goes, I, I'm okay with being in prison when I see the end result being that people's lives are being impacted. And when you come to the understanding that when you go through a season of difficulty, when you go through a season of, of pressure, if you see what's on the other side, you begin to realize it's not just for nothing. All right? Now, a couple of verses that I didn't put up there, but a couple of verses that I think are um, part of what I'm speaking on, on this, this morning is 2 Timothy 3, 12. 2 Timothy 3.12, and you can read this at home. But basically what it says in 2 Timothy 3.12, it says that, all who desire to live godly lives will suffer persecution, right? So every person that desires to live the Christian life will go through something, right? And like I said, I'm not talking about you living a life of difficulty, but seasons. When there's seasons of difficulty, do not count it as strange. Do not think it as unusual. It's part of the Christian life, right? So and then it also says in First. Corinthians 10 13 that God will never allow you or never God will never allow you to go beyond what you're able to bear right Amen. so when you're going through this know that listen you're able to handle it you're able to go through it right because God has equipped you God has strengthened you for you to be able to go through what you're going through and it's never going to be more difficult than what you're able to do okay how many people think that's a good thing all right. So we never suffer. Right. We're, we're never going to suffer what Christ suffered. Right. That's what, that, what God the Father put on Jesus Christ. That's not what we're talking about. And even here, when, when Peter was writing in first uh, Peter chapter four, he's saying we're not talking about suffering because you've done something bad. Right. We're talking about you're, you're going through pressures. You're going through hardship. You're going through difficulties because you've decided to follow Christ. Right? You're not suffering because you've done something bad or, or because you're a bad person, but because you've decided to follow Christ, there's a life to, to, to be lived that is not always going to be on easy street. Okay? Did we understand that? Right? And, and, and what the suffering they're talking about is not you being sick. It's not you being broke. It's not you, you know, having all these things. It's the world not understanding that you're a believer and them not because they don't understand that them coming after you and there's misunderstandings right there there's kind of things where we could even just talk about present day right there's certain things that the world believes that if you read the word of god how many people know that we don't believe and there's conflict and and, and you have to kind of withstand that 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 pressure of well you don't love people then if you believe that Right? Or, or you're not really for people if you believe that. 
right? So there's this council culture where people are saying, well, if you don't believe like I believe, then we're going to do everything we possibly can to make your life difficult. How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? Whether it's about marriage, whether it's about identity, whether it's about what you stand for and how you want to raise your kids, there's different ideas that sometimes if you don't align to those ideas, how many of you know that they will come after you? And if they haven't, well, they soon will. <laughs> and that's not a prophecy. That's just God's word, right? <laughs> but, but anyhow, my, my point being is you will suffer as a Christian, right, through seasons of difficulty, through seasons of hardship, right? But, but here, here's what, where we want to get to. Maturity is not you having to go through, through these things. Maturity is how you respond to these things. Right. So after you've gone through these things, how are you going to come out of these things? Are you going to come out bitter? Are you going to come out offended? Are you going to come out with hate? Are you going to come out with less, less faith and more fear? Or are you going to do the opposite where you're going to be like, I'm going to be closer to God. My faith is going to be stronger. I'm going to be less fearful. And ultimately, I'm going to be a stronger Christian. Right? Because of what I've been through, it's only made me stronger. Amen? All right? So that, that, that's what it's saying here in, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 24 through 25. Now, if we go to verse 26 and 27, Paul continues this thought. And he says here, The mystery which has, which has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, one of the keys to understanding this message of maturity, like we just started out, is one of it is going through seasons of difficulty. The, the second point really here is that um, there's a mystery thou, that, that at the new church, the, gener the new gen uh, testament church is coming to, to understand, and that is that Christ lives in you. Right? That was something that the Old Testament uh, prophets and, and, and saints did not understand was the fact that God, Christ, lives in you through the Holy Spirit. Right? And, and that's a powerful truth. If we were to, to, to kind of just think about that for a minute, that Christ lives in you through the Holy Spirit. Right? He lives in you. Right? And, and this mystery that was kind of... Uh, really not known because now it's only known by revelation the fact that christ lives in you it wasn't known by uh, intuition it wasn't known by by any other reason other than by revelation because god revealed it to us so in the old testament you would have these individuals where god would just come upon them for seasons or just moments right and it wasn't just everyone mainly it was sometimes some kings maybe some some uh, priests and some prophets but it wasn't everyone and, and it wasn't, you know, forever. It was just these short moments that God would come on them. But now in the New Testament, how many of you know he's here with us forever, for eternity? So we are the blessed people in that we have Christ in us, right? And now what, what does that mean to have Christ in us, right? Well, the, the way I think of it is this, and, and hopefully this is a good uh, example. If it's not, I, I apologize. But... I think of it as if, if how many people know that if you go to the gym, you start working out, you're going to see a difference in your body, right? If a woman gets pregnant, how many people know there's going to be a difference in her body, 
right? It's the same thing with the Christian life, right? Once you start to have Christ in you, the salvation, once you start to kind of follow him, you surrender what needs to be surrendered, and you start to be obedient to what he wants you to be obedient, Christ starts to grow on the inside of you. And I don't even know, there's going to be a difference in your life, the way you live it. When people look at you, they're going to say, hey, there's something different about you, right? That wasn't there last year. That wasn't there previously, right? So there should be a difference in the way we live our lives to where it should be noticeable, right? Because the goal, again, is not just to get to heaven. The goal is to be more like Christ, all right? It's not just to get to heaven. It's not for you to get saved and then wait your, your time, and then when you pass away, it's like, okay, I made it to heaven. The goal is you get saved, you're growing in Christ, and then as we're going to read here in the next couple of verses, there's a reason you want to grow in Christ because when you get to that day of judgment, Paul said he wants you to be mature, or in other words, perfected, right? So this is what it says here in 1 Colossians chapter 28 and verse 29. It says, he is whom we proclaim, that's speaking of Jesus, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature, some translations say perfect, in Christ. To this end, I strenuously content with all energy Christ so perfectly works in me. Right? So Paul is saying the reason he's able to go through what he's able to go through, now that that understanding that Christ lives in you, the whole goal is that he's wanting to teach people. He's wanting to admonish people. He's wanting to preach to people. And if you look at just those three words of preach, right, that means to proclaim and declare, right? Admonish, that means to correct and, and to give counsel. And then to teach is the understanding, right? So this idea of Paul is saying, I want everyone to just kind of have an understanding. I want people to, to just come to the conclusion that, we want people matured. We want people to, to be perfected. So when that day of judgment comes, right, you're able to present yourself to Christ as, Lord, I did everything I knew to do to, to live my life in a way that honors you. And not just for myself, but I brought people with me, right? I was an example to other people to where they came with me now and they have knowledge of you so it wasn't this selfish thing where I only knew you and it was all about me, but I was able to bring people with me because part of maturity is you also influencing and discipling other people, right? Now, we're not in this particular book. We're not in this book. Maybe one day we'll teach this book. But if you look at the book of 1 Corinthians, now, the, the Corinthians were known as probably the most difficult church Paul had to deal with. Because they were very soulish, very fleshly. They were rebellious. They were just people who were living not what you would call an ideal Christian life. Yet, but yet God moved through them, right? But when Paul is speaking to them and he's talking to them about maturity, um, he kind of gave them like a five-year kind of span. Where by the, when he first visited the Corinthians and then when he wrote his first letter to them, it was five years later, and he's telling them, that they should not live as babies anymore, right? But that they should live, right, as mature people. So in Paul's kind of just his understanding, he was saying at the five-year mark, you should be able to disciple other people. You should be able to basically be a teacher to other people. 
You should be influencing other people, right? So now I'm not saying anyone, and I'm not pointing fingers at anyone here, but I'm just saying that if you've been saved for quite a while, how many people know that at some point you should be able to share with someone else the basic understanding of what it is to be a Christian? Can we come to that understanding, right? Or can we agree on that? That if you've been saved, right, the goal is not just to always be learning, but the goal is to be learning, growing, and then also helping other people, right? To kind of discipling other people. And that's part of why we have city groups, right? Because in this particular setting, in city groups, you're not able to ask questions, right? In, In church, you're not able to ask questions. You're not able to kind of share what your struggles are. But one of the, the great things about city groups is that you're able to ask questions. You're able to say, hey, this is what I'm going through. Can someone help me? And you'll be surprised that if you share what you're going through, it's not, the response is not going to be, oh, my God, I can't believe you're doing that. Right? Oh, no, that's not going to be the response. The response is going to be like, oh, you too? Because I went through that. I've ex- I'm experiencing that. And you'll be surprised how the enemy kind of works in darkness and, and, and just keeping things hidden. Whereas as Christians, we want to bring things to the light, right? We want to bring things to the light. To, to, so the enemy works best when it's dark, right? But Christ works best when it's brought to the light, right? So we want to just say, hey, I'm struggling with this. I need help, right? I need prayer. I need some wisdom, some advice. And, and that's part of the, the, the great thing about being part of a church, about being part of a city group, is the, the city group is just a smaller version of us to be able to gather together and to be able to learn and to be able to grow. Amen? So that's kind of a plug for city groups, right? But, but he, he, here's what I want to get to before I end here. I want to give you four essentials for maturity, right? Four essentials that are needed to be spiritually mature. Right, so and, and there's many more. These are just four that I came up with. Right, so there's many of them, uh, but I just wrote four just because I like to do things in points and in just thoughts. So, number one is the right foundation. Right? How many people know you need to have a right foundation? Right, and, and your foundation is extremely important. Right now, if we look at just buildings, tall buildings that are built, how many people know that they can only go up so high? And, and it all, a lot of it depends on the foundation, how deep they go, right? So the deeper they go, the higher they're able to go, right? And the reason they, they do that, how many people know, is for stability. If, if storms come, especially in places where there's earthquakes, right, they need to have that right foundation in order for that building to stand, right? We're just saying about having a firm foundation. So you need to have the foundation. And our foundation as believers, as we all know, is Christ. Right? He is our foundation. Right? Everything is built around Christ. He is primary. Right? As much as we, we think about Christ as being our healer, as being our miracle, uh, miracle worker, as much as we think about him being our provider, how many people know that's not the primary thing? Right? Because, and I'll give you an example. Uh, in the Gospels, you had people that were following Jesus. Right? And Jesus even told them, the only reason you're following me is because I fed you, right? You're following me because of the fish and loaves, right? You're following me because I healed you. But when it came to be a difficult season in Jesus' life when he was going to be crucified, how many people know those crowds weren't there with him, 
right? Because it wasn't, they weren't following him as the foundation. They were following him because of what he could do for them, right? And, and I mean, I've had to learn this sometimes the hard way where you could believe God for certain things and if it doesn't work out the way you want it to work out, what's your relationship with God going to be like, right? If you're believing for someone to be healed and they don't be healed, they die, then what happens? If you're believing for a certain job and it doesn't come, then what happens, right? Or maybe you're, you're believing to be married to someone and that relationship doesn't work out, then what, right? So Christ has to be the foundation, not everything he does. Right, because everything he does is secondary. Who he is is primary. Does that make sense? Right, because it has to be about him and him alone. It can't be about what he what he does that becomes the most important thing. Because if he doesn't do what you want him to do, then what becomes of the relationship? Right. This is what uh, uh, Paul wrote in First Corinthians three. Right. He wrote in First Corinthians three eleven. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that was already been laid, which is Jesus Christ, right? There is no other foundation to be laid but Jesus Christ, right? And then it says here in 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 12, this is Paul again, he's writing. And this is actually Paul's last letter that he wrote, so he's writing to his protege, Timothy. He says, that is why I'm suffering as I am, Yet, this is no cause for shame. Once again, there's no shame in going through difficulty, right? Because I know in whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. In other points, this is what, what Paul is saying. He's saying that he's committed his health. He's committed his, his future. He's committed his, his eternal, just his eternal destination. He's committed everything to Christ. To say, God, I'm going to follow you, and I'm going to put everything in your hands. And however it works out, I'm okay with it because I trust you. Right? That's a whole different uh, uh, attitude or mindset than, like, God, I'm going to follow you, but it has to play out this way. If it doesn't play out this way, and then, you know, I don't know if I want to follow you. Well, I don't know how, how good my relationship with you is going to be. Right? But when you commit yourself to God and everything you have, you say, God, I'm going to put it in your hands. And whatever way it works out, I'm good. I may not, I'm not, it may not be easy, but I'm going to trust you. How many people know that life is going to be lived the way it should be lived as a Christian? Right? Amen? All right, so that was number one. Number two is relationships. Right? Relationships are important for maturity. Because relationships, as uh, Proverbs 27, 17 says here, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another, right? So you need people in your life that are going to challenge you. You need people in your life that are going to be able to speak honestly with you and say, hey, what's going on? Like, you're, you're not living the way you should live, right? How people know you need people who are just going to flat out tell you how it is, right? I mean, listen, we want sometimes it to be sugar-coated, we want people to just say, hey, come on, just don't hurt my feelings. But sometimes they need to say, hey, you know what? No, you're not, you're, 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 you're being lazy, right? You haven't been in church. Why not, right? Or, or you, you, whatever it is, right? Whatever, and maybe it, it has to do with the way they're just looking at you and, and 
you know, you're, you're talking about, man, I don't have enough money. And, and then they just look at you and say, yeah, well, it's because you're, mis like, you're mismanaging the money. You would have more money if you actually took care of your finances. You can't be doing this. You can't be doing that, right? Maybe it's about your marriage, right, where you, you kind of approach them and you're like, you know, I'm not happy. This is, this is going on. And they're like, well, how many people know you need to humble yourself, right, because the way you've, you've treated your spouse is incorrectly, right? So you need people that are going to just speak to you and say, hey, listen, you may not see this. I'm going to see this for you, and I'm going to tell you how it is. And the reason I'm going to tell you how it is because I care enough about you that I would hate for you to go further down and make your life even worse than what it is right now, right? But you also need a church, right? You need a church. As much as people think, like, I'm okay, me and Jesus got our own thing going on, I'm here to tell you that relationships and God, that's God's idea, right? That's not our idea. That is God's idea. God is the one that kind of said, hey, church is important, relationships are important, and the reason they're important is because the Bible says in Ecclesiastics that when there's two or three, and if one fa falls, somebody is there to pick them up, right? Let me know that's true, right? So God has designed community for your benefit. God has designed community and relationships to help you grow, right? So in a lot of ways, uh, relationships, community is a lot like bananas. How many of you know that bananas don't grow individually, right? They grow in bunches, right? I love bananas, but I just know that when I buy a banana, how many people know it's they're they're clustered together. It's not just one banana. You're not buying an apple or a peach or an orange. It's a cluster. It's, it's a bunch of them, right? Right? So in a lot of ways, we're like bananas, right? So. We, we grow together in bunches, right? We go together together. And the great thing about relationships is that great relationships don't just happen, right? And, and you, you shouldn't go looking for a relationship in times of crisis. They should already be there. So when you go through difficult times, that's not the time to try to go find a best friend. Right? That's not the time to go try to find someone who, who's going to try to be able to help you. There's going to be people there who can help you, but how many people know you want to have that equity already built to where if you go through difficult times, you have those friendships, you have those people there, you have that church there that is able to help you, that is able to help you navigate these difficult seasons and hardships and, and struggles and whatever else you may be going through. You want people there. Amen? In fact, let me just give you one more verse. It's not in, in my notes, but I, I wrote it down. Hebrews 10.25 says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is in the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Right? So listen, when difficult times come, you want people there that are going to exhort you, encourage you, and going to help you get through that, that season. Amen? So that was number two. Number three is obstacles. We kind of already talked about suffering. We talked about pressure. We talked about difficulty. But obstacles help you grow. Why? Because resistance helps you grow. Right? Anybody that's worked out knows that as you're lifting weight, right, it's helping your muscles grow. Right? Um, if, if you're running, if you're biking, um, sometimes you're going up a hill, right? And it may not be easy going up, right? But eventually, you're, as, as you do it more often, it becomes easier, 
right? And I can speak that because, I mean, I know I go biking every, here every once in a while, and there's this hill just right around the corner here that I do not like going up, <laughs> right, because it's difficult. But how many people know I've gotten better? I have gotten better. So now I don't avoid it. Now I actually try to do as much as I can up that hill, right, so that when I come down, I'm coming down with some speed, right? But I've gotten better, right? But at first, I would just say, hey, I'm just going to walk my bike up that hill, and I'd have to bike my way up. But how many people know it, that, that has helped me grow now to where now I could do it not, not like I'm not there yet, but I'm getting better, okay? But this is what James says, James chapter 1, verse 2 and 4. Says, dear brothers and sisters, when trouble of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Again, right? So when those obstacles come, we look at them as opportunities. Right? We don't look at them as something to be avoided. We look at them as, God, this is an opportunity for me to just continue to trust you. This is an opportunity for me to get stronger. This is an opportunity for me to be less fearful. This is an opportunity for me to maybe even have better relationships because I need people to help me walk through this season out. Right? And the reason uh, James is able to say this, he's not saying to consider it joy that you're going through difficulty remember the joy is not going through difficulty but being on the other side of what you're going to experience once you've gone through those seasons and that is that you're going to be a stronger person you're going to be a person who is as he said here uh fully developed perfect mature and complete right needing nothing so the ultimate goal is as you go through these seasons of, of difficulty these seasons of, of pressure right it's not you're not happy that you're going through them you're happy when you think god i'm going to be a better person i'm going to be stronger i'm going to be more mature on the other side of this right and if anyone if anyone had any like if anyone had any uh reason to kind of be mad at life it wouldn't have been the apostle paul right Here, here's just kind of some things i wrote down in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, I'm going to read this, and then I'll explain what I was going to say. It says, do not lose heart. This is what he says. Do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but of moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Right? So he's saying here, that as the outward man is perishing, right, his inward man is growing, right? Christ is growing in him, right? And then he says, this light affliction. How many people know that, that what Paul was going to is not light affliction, at least not for me, right? Because here, here's some of the things I wrote down. Everywhere he went, he was persecuted. And I'm talking about everywhere he went, people wanted to kill him, right? He was in prison one-third of his Christian life, Right? If you're talking about, like, God, I'm going to be out there preaching, making a difference, when one-third of your life is left behind bars, you kind of start questioning, God, is this really the, the plan, right? He was whipped, right, five times. Now, when I say he was whipped, Jesus got it one time, or he got the cat of nine tails 39 times, right? Well, Paul went through those 39 whips five times, right? So if you could just imagine his back just being torn, right? He was shipwrecked. 
a night and day in the open sea. And then when he finally made it to safety in that island, he was bit by a, a poisonous snake. How many people know that that is not light affi affliction? That is like I'm going through it, right? But yet he was able to, to have that perspective of, listen, this is only going to make me stronger. And at the end of the day, if people are being saved, if people are being uh, impacted, if people are growing, I'm all willing to go through that. Because I know that ultimately people are coming to the knowledge of God, right? They're, they're populating heaven, right? And, and, and we're kind of taking people away from, from eternal darkness, right? So we're not going to lose heart, okay? When we go through obstacles, we're not going to lose heart, right? Because we're ultimately growing on the inside of us, right? So that was number three. And the last one, here we are, and this is, should be no surprise, and that's the word right so that's the word of god the word of god will help you grow first peter chapter 2 2 says this it says like newborn babies you must crave pure spiritual milk that's speaking of the word so that you may grow into a full experience of salvation cry out for this nourishment right so again we're talking about the full experience of salvation is not just you accepting christ but it's you accepting christ and you growing as a believer you maturing as a believer you understanding that if you go through difficulty it's okay because it's part of the christian experience but you have the understanding of christ in you right and because christ is in you you're able to go through anything because god is never going to allow you to go beyond what you're able to bear right but the word of god when you start to feed on the word of god right and you get into the word the word gets into you, right? So it's like that mirror that the Bible talks about. When you get into it, it gets into you. And when it gets into you, when you go through seasons of difficulty, what's going to come out of you is what you've been feeding on. So what's your diet, right? What are you feeding on? Are you feeding on the news? Are you feeding on, on like, social media? Or are you feeding on the word, Right? And, and I encourage people to be in the Word. Have a relationship with the Word. Feed on it daily. You can't just go through it where you read it once a week when you come to church. It needs to be something you do continuously, right? Find a Bible plan, right? Find, find a, a, a translation that works for you. I mean, if take notes. Do whatever, it, whatever you need to do. Do that for the Word to get in side of you because you're never going to grow if the word is not in you right just like it says about babies needing milk right we need the spiritual nourishment that is the word of god right so having that right foundation right having those right relationships understanding that listen every day is not going to be an easy day and to feed on that word Right? That's going to bring that maturity that Paul is talking about there at the end of the first chapter of, uh, of Thessalon uh, Colossians, I'm sorry, of Colossians, where he's saying, listen, we want to present ourselves mature and perfect on that day. So when God looks at us, he's able to say, you were able to live the life I asked you to live, right? You were obedient to the heavenly vision. You, you, you impacted people. You brought people with you. So we populate heaven. Amen? All right? How many of you enjoy this message? Yeah?
And, and like I said, it's, not, it's one of those messages where I was just going through those verses and I'm like, God, this is what I was kind of uh, asked to speak on. You know, I would have much rather spoken on God's blessings, right, and God's goodness. But how many people know this is part of Christianity, right? This is part of the Christian life. And, and I think if you have this understanding that as a Christian that it's always going to be easy, that, that's not always going to be true, right? There's always, there might be seasons where it might not be so easy, but at the other side of that, have the knowledge that you are growing, you're being mature, and that you're being perfected. Amen? Amen. All right, let's all stand up. We'll pray to be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your word that was spoken. Father God, we thank you that we can trust you, Lord God, that we can commit our life to you, Lord God, knowing that you're able to hold us, Lord God, in your hands. You're able to navigate, Lord God, with us, Lord God, through those seasons, Lord God, that we spoke about, where our seasons of pressure, difficulty, seasons, Lord God, where it may not be so easy, Lord God, but thank you for strengthening us, Lord God. Thank you for giving us everything we need, Lord God, for us to live that life, Lord God, that you've asked us to live, Lord God. Lord God, that we're going to grow stronger. Lord God, we're going to grow closer to you, Lord God, as we continue in our faith, Lord God. And we just give you thanks, Lord God, as we leave. We only leave a building. We do not leave your presence because we know, Lord God, that we are filled by your Holy Spirit, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, as we start a new week, that you're with us, Lord God, in the workplace, at home, in our relationships, in every area of our lives, Lord God. And we just give you thanks, Lord God, that we are able to look to you, Lord God, because you are our author and the finisher of our faith. And we just give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Be blessed, and we'll see you again next week.